The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. Just a quick break to recommend our recent sponsor's Book of the Month. Book of the Month makes reading better by offering members a few new book selections each month to help you cut through the noise, save time, and make it easier to decide what to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and picks five to seven of the best new books for you to choose from. All of these books are good, so you really can't go wrong. Book of the Month helps readers like you and I find books that we wouldn't normally discover on our own. The cool part is selections largely focus on new and upcoming authors in multiple genres. Book of the Month also recently launched curated audiobooks, so members can get a hardcover or an audiobook each month, which you can then download and listen to right in the app. This month, I chose A Little Supernatural Fair in Murder Road by New York Times bestselling author Simone St. James, described as the story of a young couple that find themselves haunted by a string of gruesome murders committed along an old deserted road in this terrifying new novel. Just go to bookofthemonth.com to pick your first book and join Book of the Month. That's bookofthemonth.com. And for a limited time, you can join and get that first book for just $9.99 with the code CHIRP. That's C-H-I-R-P. Enjoy. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Rainmaker FM. And thank you for joining us for another episode of The Writer Files. I'm your host, Kelton Reed. And in part two of this special edition of the show we call The Writer's Brain, a guest series with neuroscientist Michael Gribko will dig into a phenomenon known as imposter syndrome, an experience many writers struggle with. The experience known as imposter syndrome has been recognized in over 70% of the population and across a wide range of demographics. Everyone from best-selling authors to A-list celebrities and even genius-level scientists have all admitted to feeling a kind of isolation from not wanting to be outed as a quote-unquote fraud, even though they're far from it. And it's not just limited to high achievers. It's been found in men and women across a wide range of groups, including those about to launch a new creative project or career, teachers, students, entrepreneurs, and many others. Across all demographics, success tends to create an even deeper sense of the imposter experience. And although not considered a clinical psychological syndrome, the effects can be debilitating to writers at any level of experience or professional standing. These feelings of self-doubt can snowball if not addressed and leave you with a sinking depression, anxiety, and even a sense of dread at taking on new or challenging tasks. Luckily, research scientist Michael Gribko returned to the podcast to help me find some answers about the origins of anxiety in the human brain and how to address the imposter experience from both a scientific and layperson's perspective. And if you missed the first half of this show or any previous episodes of The Writer's Brain, you can find them all in the show notes in the archives at writerfiles.fm, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you tune in. And do us a favor by taking a few moments to leave a rating or a review. Just let us know how we're doing. In part two of this file, Michael and I discuss why the writer as athlete trope undervalues the power of the human brain, small steps you can take to rewire your anxiety, how writers can harness their interactional expertise to beat imposter experience, 
While you don't need a PhD to sound like an expert, tips and tricks for overcoming your unfounded self-doubt and why a page a day keeps imposter syndrome away. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. Well, we've talked, yeah, we've talked about solutions to kind of, and, and again, going back to that, the tired trope, which I've used often and a lot of writers use, writers, athlete, and why, why when we're talking about neuroscience, why that's not a great fit for, mm-hmm. for instance, you know, okay, yes, athletes train to uh, accomplish a goal mm-hmm. and as do writers, you know, they kind of work, you know, for years and years and years to get to a place maybe where they feel like their writing is, is uh, effectual or right. something to that effect. So just going back to writer's block and how, you know, you can, we talked about solutions to how you can rewire in a sense, your brain to overcome that sense of being blocked. So it makes sense that then we would be able to also rewire our brains to overcome imposter experience. Right. right. So and that's yeah, that's where you know got into that little in the prefrontal cortex when people start start recovering um, from anxiety disorders, we do see changes in the neuronal activity. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I know you talked about in writer's block, and maybe we could revisit just for a second and see how it applies. In the writer's block episode about kind of what is it? Uh, avoidance, yeah. motivation, avoidance, um, approach, motivated. Yeah. So how you could kind of get into a vicious cycle yeah, of, of avoidance of not writing yeah. because you're thinking about it to the point where it gives you so much anxiety. You feel like there might be um, an outsized negative consequence right. from <laughs> from right, right. from. And that's what yeah, and that's that's what's striking about anxiety is, is when it gets really bad you know, we start perceiving our brain, the activity in our brain can get to the point where an everyday situation can be processed as if there's a threat in the room. Right. You know, we're, we have like the neuronal response as if our life was threatened almost, you know, and this sure. is, you know, extreme cases like PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, panic disorders, things like that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's a big problem. And, you know, if that is happening, then, you know, tr- good idea to seek some treatment. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, back to the writer's block. You know, we talked about some little things that you do and start take some small steps where you can be successful and try to shift into a more uh, approach motivated state. You know, you need to taste some success usually to do that. So if you're constantly failing, you're going to be starting to drift more into that avoidance motivated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll link to the writer's block, uh, piece that I also wrote recently, but 
I think just to turn back to the imposter experience, uh, and if you're if you're feeling it, how we can start to reframe it mm-hmm. to the effect of you know being able to overcome it. And I think you sent me a really interesting article. Maybe this is the time to to talk about this great article that we were looking at uh, specifically. What happens when we turn the world's most famous robot test on ourselves? So that's the one you sent over. I thought it was very interesting um, and actually wrote about it. So I'll link to this article where I started to try to parse out, you know, how we could overcome imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's a really good, yeah, it's really interesting. So my take, yeah, my take on it was how this famous robot test can help you beat imposter syndrome. And I, I found that. I think what I pulled out of it, what the most important thing was this idea of interactional expertise. Mm -hmm. And we had talked a little bit about earlier, maybe we can revisit just the idea that maybe a writer starting out on a big project or being asked to write about something that they're not necessarily the subject matter expert on, um, or even, I don't know, writing a historical novel, for instance, where you need to actually (laughs) be quite proficient with the details of the time, you know, kind of places maybe where writers are coming from, where they feel like imposters because they don't, they don't have the, maybe the information they need. So this interactional expertise I thought was a fantastic jumping off place. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good example. Yeah. You don't need all that tacit nuts and bolts knowledge to still be able to talk about something proficiently and convey information. Yeah, or to sound intelligent when speaking with those who may have... With experts, in this case, yeah. I guess the idea of interactional expertise is that it's the opposite of contributory expertise, which would be expertise acquired through traditional learning. Experience. Yeah. Yeah, direct experience. Exactly. But expertise nonetheless. So the article going back to the original um, was this great story of this. Well, I guess to go to the robot test (laughs) first. The Turing. The Turing Turing test. test. Yeah. So basically, Alan Turing, genius mathematician in the 50s, um, if you've seen the imitation game, um, that was actually the name of initially of his test, not to get into the the um, specifics of his situation, but in the original test, if the examiner was unable to distinguish the computer's answers from a human's answers to a set of questions, the the computer was deemed able to pass as human or as intelligent as a human, right? Yeah. Um, So years and years later, social scientists uh, turned the Turing test. Yeah, Collins. um, Collins, um, which you can talk a little bit about, to determine, they basically uh, would use the test on a wide variety of fields to learn whether or not human subjects could use their ability to pass as members of groups that they didn't right. belong to. So basically, uh, using them to compare human human yeah. intelligence. And Collins actually did it. So he's a, as you say, a social scientist, uh, sociology, and he studies scientists. Right. And specifically, he ended up. I think his department was close to a department with a lot of uh, astrophysicists. So he started hanging out with these guys. And just over time, he uh, became pretty familiar with their research and he could talk about specifics and became sort of an outside expert in astrophysics and specifically, and this is a kind of cool side point, gravitational wave and, you know, gravitational (laughs) wave. And he actually has a few books out there. He wrote books on the subject. Yeah. And there, I, I, 
they're on my to read list. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So humble sociologist from spending many years studying these gravitational wave physicists basically was, was given a test to determine whether or not he could pass as one. Right. And none of the experts could out him as, right. As the, right. as yeah. It as was the something like, like eight, eight people. Collins was one of them. And you know, there's seven astrophysicists. And then Collins had one of his friends who's an astrophysicist write seven questions or something specific to the field of gravitational waves, right. handed them to everyone. Everyone answered them. And then the all the answers were handed out to the astrophysicists. And I think only one of the seven pointed Collins as the fraud or the, right. the not the expert. Five were completely fo- fooled. Couldn't tell. And I think two of them were kind of up in the air. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, I mean, I think my takeaway for that, for writers specifically, is that, you know, the interactional expertise part, you know, it's something that I think if you're speaking the language of whatever the audience is that you're speaking to, it's often very hard. And I think sometimes we also gloss over small, maybe errors. Yeah. Because I think so often when you are, when you sound knowledgeable and you come across as kind of confident about it, honestly, like when's the last time you were reading, say a piece of historical fiction and then went to cross check it on, you know, right. In an encyclopedia or something like that. Um, just to make a, a small point on that. But anyway, I think the interactional expertise part is interesting because I think you don't necessarily need to be the, subject matter expert to sound like an expert or to right. sound like knowledgeable. Yeah. You don't um, need that tacit knowledge to necessarily get the major points across. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was pretty fascinating to me. So I think the takeaway was that, you know, here was this lifelong student really who, you know, didn't have the, the specific education or the career credentials, right. but it didn't, it didn't matter. Yeah. You can um, still accurately talk about yeah. gravitational waves. And as you noted, Uh, published uh, some books about it, which is fascinating to me. So, eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Sergeant and Mr. Smith, you're going to love this house. Bunk beds in a closet? There's no field manual for finding the right home. But when you do, USAA Homeowners Insurance can help protect it the right way. Restrictions apply. Something one of my one of my uh, colleagues said, Sonia Simone, I just quoted in that article, learners make the best teachers. And, and I think, you know, to start to turn toward maybe some of the solutions to overcoming the imposter experience, I think that stuck out to me because um, so often in advice that we read about imposter experience, they talk about kind of getting a gauge on what what you're or, or understanding specifically kind of like what your actual level of expertise is. Yeah. And then from there, turning around and by teaching others uh, about kind of what you know at the level that you're at, um, you can actually lend credibility, yeah. for instance, to um, whatever it is that you are writing about. Right. And also you'll, I think in that situation, you may find 
find out if there's gaps in your knowledge as well. We yeah. go to try to explain it to someone. Hey, maybe I need a little refresher in this point. Yeah, yeah. And I think especially too for writers maybe who are just starting out or at a point in their career where they, you know, they aren't certain um, that they can get to the kind of the next level or the zenith that they that they would like to that recognizing that there always will be other experts that are going to be smarter yes. and more skilled than you are that to maybe to try to, to rewire some of that self-doubt or um anxiety that comes yeah. from not thinking you're, yeah. you're and, the and, greatest because yeah. you're never gonna be you're never gonna know right and then no. i think part of that too if you're preparing for a job interview a talk or whatever practice saying i don't know yeah yeah it's you know that's all right i think one great image that i came away with when i was looking at kind of studying some of the imposter syndrome stuff was that we think that we should know everything about a subject when in truth yeah. nobody knows everything right. about a subject if you're an expert you should be able to answer every question right you know when in truth we're all kind of in our own little uh filter bubbles yeah but that's not probably not the best term to use but we're all in our own little bubble of of you know expertise yeah. we're all and down our own rabbit hole exactly yeah. but they all overlap yeah and that uh, and that overlapping is actually what where innovation is is mm -hmm. born right, right, is, right is by not only uh sharing your knowledge with others but absorbing yeah. maybe what th that yeah. piece of the bubble that they yeah. have and and seeing how your knowledge relates to someone else's field that's right, right. and that's yeah. where creativity is born right absolutely um that's taking big, yeah taking to your um, knowledge and applying it to a new situation exactly yeah. to disparate kind of ideas and then marrying them into something completely new. So, uh, yeah. So, so some of the takeaways I thought were interesting from, you know, the American psychological association had within their website, just a handful of kind of takeaways. And I thought, so speaking with your mentors to get supportive and encouraging supervision, Absolutely. um, that's important. So I think, you know, for writers specifically is staying open-minded that, you know, there is something new to learn or, you know, right. taking a class or, or um, just rapping with other writers yes. mm -hmm. um, can always open your eyes to something new. And then uh, we talked about recognizing your level of expertise. I think I practicing get, is, you know, yeah. that's important. Um, you know, that's what scientists do a lot. Um, before someone has a talk, it gets rehearsed a lot just within the lab. So you know, before they go give a big talk and, you know, we'll have a lab meeting and someone will present that, their talk and, those can be some of the harshest critics, critics, right? These are going to be the people who are most familiar with the research and are going to ask you the hardest questions. So get your colleagues together and run it by them and tell them to kind of give you a hard time, you know, ask me the hard questions. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, the next couple go kind of hand in hand, but you know, being able to let go of unhealthy perfectionism, yeah. um, that's a big one, I think. You're not going to be, yeah, just if you're an expert, doesn't mean you know everything. Letting go of unhealthy perfectionism and celebrating small victories as opposed to, you know, as, I think when I'm thinking specifically about a longer piece of writing, right? Um, like giving yourself a pat on the back, maybe when you finish your small word count, right. as yeah. opposed to, and I'll go, and I'll just go back to kind of Austin Cleon's advice about, you know, writing a page each day doesn't seem like much, but do it for 365 days and you've got enough to fill a novel. Mm -hmm. 
and you do it for your whole life and you have a career. Yeah. And I think that was one of the, the other big takeaways. It was, it was just, you know, like becoming a lifelong learner, mm-hmm. um, realizing, you know, where you're at on your journey. Keep writing, keep reading. Keep and this going. gets back to, uh, our approach avoidance motivated idea, yeah. right? Right. You know, recognize those small successes. You know, yeah, I did accomplish something today. I wrote a page and realize that's a success and yeah, help out with that approach motivation. Yeah. I mean, just one foot in front of the other, reframing your thinking about, you know, those little steps as opposed to, you know, ah, I'm never going to finish this novel. I think it was, there was another novelist, Emma Donahue, an Oscar nominated um, author of Room, who was saying she meets so many young novelists who have written one third of a novel or many thirds of a novel, but ne- but can never actually finish a novel um, because they get a th- about a third of the way in and they realize it's not working. Right. Um, so I think her her advice was the importance of outlining. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Adam Skolnick, journalist who's been on this show a handful of times, also uh, talks about that importance of breaking down that infinite blank page into little chunks right. so that your brain can experience those yeah. small satisfactory wins right. once you just finish a little piece. Right. And the outline also is going to help you organize things in a logical manner and yeah. um, things will have a better flow. And I think that's important to our brains to have things laid out in a way that's connected. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just getting started, getting started is a big one. I found uh, an analogy recently that I thought was a great productivity hack from this author, James Clear, which I'll link to. He wrote a, he wrote a piece called The Physics of Productivity, Newton's Laws of Getting Stuff Done. <laughs> and I especially resonated with just the first one. He takes Newton's law, of, uh, first law, applies it to productivity and kind of the science of just getting started. This may not be <laughs> neuroscience per se, but <laughs> just that, uh, okay, so here's the, uh, here I'll just quote the piece. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest and objects in motion tend to stay in motion. So when it comes to being productive, this means one thing. The most important thing is to find a way to get started. And once you get started, it's much easier to stay yeah, in motion. Keep that mo- yeah. momentum. So again, a page a day, 365 days, they add up and... That page a day keeps the writer's block away. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and the imposter experience at bay. Oh, there we go. Rhymed. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash MBO. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I love that. Anyway, um, getting started is a big one. And I think, you know, if you're still in a funk and you're still unable to let go of that experience, uh, it's probably probably important to talk to not only your, your mentors, but maybe a therapist if, if, it's, still, if it's still really, yeah. really 
dogging you. Yeah, that's like I said, um, extreme anxiety can overwhelm our brain. So, you know, the brain really isn't this li- linear uh, machine. It's not like. Right. It's not like, you know, you just get this activity change in the striatum and there's like a row, a row of dominoes falling over. Yeah. But kind of stress increases, neuronal activity will be changed across many areas kind of simultaneously. And as it gets more and more pronounced, it's going to result in a mental state that is really less favorable for man- memory retrieval and cognitive flexibility and the things we need to write accurately. Yeah. And it'll be more favorable for like kind of habitual and reflexive behaviors. So if you're getting to that point where anxiety is overwhelming and you're getting angry and very impulsive when you're trying to write, then yeah, it's probably a good idea to get some therapy, talk to an MD, a counselor, and get that anxiety under control. Absolutely. You know, it's always enlightening to speak with you about it. And, uh, you know, I think... One of the other interesting things I read recently was that like so many writers do not have like those advanced degrees and, you know, our writing, you know, specifically when I'm thinking about journalism or, you know, when you're, when you're covering a subject that you might not be the subject matter expert in, I think the the main takeaway for me is that you you don't necessarily have to be the subject matter expert to sound like an expert. You don't have to have that PhD to sound smart. And there's also, you know, there's no way. You're not supposed to be. No. Yeah, you can't be as a journalist. There's you no way so a journalist right. is going to be able to, you know, absorb <laughs> a PhD level education right. on a subject. And that's where kind of remaining flexible and, you know, not being hard on yourself right. is important. Um, and you're not in it alone too. You know, there's people who are going to check your work. and, yeah, and Absolutely. Yeah. So, the desire to keep learning from those who may know more than you and a passion also to then turn around and uh, share that knowledge with those who may not, who may, who may know less than you. I don't know what, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I feel like, a, I feel like a fraud. <laughs> Are you an imposter? You don't make me feel like a fraud. <laughs> I, I make myself feel like a fraud. No, I think, uh, yeah. So reframing, rewiring, probably just important to remember that these are these are doable things it's just important Mm -hmm. piece of taking a step back and it's normal too i I think that's a big thing for people to understand that this again back to the you know today's 70 percent of the population feels this thing but yeah anxiety is normal there is some good aspects to it right too much is bad but what you're going through is not a rare or strange phenomenon it's natural if it gets too extreme then yeah go get some help yeah, but talking to any, really talking to your peers and talking to your to your um, spouse or whomever about it uh, always kind of lessens the uh, the impact of that anxiety. So yeah, man, thank you so much for uh, taking the uh, afternoon to chat with me about this experience mm-hmm. that so many of us have. And um, yeah, is there any any other takeaways you want to leave before we? sign off on this one or do you feel like we've uh, I think done we a, covered it yeah. yeah but it's just yeah again that idea that you are getting this as anxiety increases you're getting the shift in neuronal activity that really favors impulsive behaviors yeah. um and just remember that and do what you can to avoid it i'm with you uh yeah. of course but yeah thanks for having me back yeah. this is a interesting topic it got me sort of 
out of my comfort zone a little. For sure. For sure. I'm sure we could talk about it more, but uh, I'll have you back to talk about something else soon. All right. And yeah, I'll link to the uh, imposter syndrome piece I wrote, how a famous robot test can help you beat imposter syndrome. All of those uh, tips are actually kind of baked into that one and um, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, on again. Yeah. We'll talk. And we can actually fist bump here in the oh, studio. Oh yeah. Yeah. Boom. Close enough. Look at that. Not a thousand miles apart. Thanks so much for joining us for a glimpse into the workings of the writer's brain. For more episodes of The Writer Files, or to simply leave us a comment or a question, drop by writerfiles.fm. You can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.